Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. It is Monday. It is 8pm, which can mean only one thing. It is the Online Darts Live Lounge, and it is very much a split shift for everyone tonight because there has been that much going on. We have had all eyes on different aspects. So you will see myself throughout the show. Starting off is Henry and then Jack and Boise will be on in a little bit. But Henry, what a few days it's been for darts. It's been a bit quiet really, Phil, hasn't it? Not much has happened. <laughs> you know, it's just a, just, a, just a bit random every now and then, isn't it? It, it, all, it all happens and goes off. Exactly, but it's been it's been good fun, and it's good to see the amount of darts we get to see, and we can mix things up. Obviously, with obviously the seniors event, the pro tour beginning, the Premier League beginning, obviously, of course, the online darts live league as well. It's great to see so much darts, and also so much darts on either TV and, and streaming. You can't say you're not sport for choice at the minute. Yeah, Thursday night chat room, help us out if I am wrong. But I can't remember three darts tournaments being broadcast on TV overlapping at the same time. Thursday, we had the Premier League, the Seniors and the Online Darts Live League all all crossing over. I can't ever remember that, Henry. No, I'm trying to rattle my brain, but the only time I can think of is it would have been back in the BDO days when the Lakeside overran Ali Pali or when the World Masters was on and perhaps clash of another event. I can't think of three at, at any point. No, not not at all. Um, chat room, welcome along. As always, like we say, myself and Henry for the first half an hour are going to take you through last week's Premier League and the Pro Tour. And then the boys are back in town. Jack and Boise were obviously at the World Seniors for the whole weekend. So they didn't see anything of the Pro Tour. So it was kind of unfair to drag them on and just try and make them wing it. We could have made them sweat, but we but we thought better of it um, before we jump in. Would have been fun. Yeah, we could have done. Uh, make sure you drop us a like and subscribe to Online Darts. We are finally past that massive 20k barrier. So thank you very, very much, as always, for your constant support. And it isn't done yet. We go on. Henry, first of all, we'll start with the Premier League, the new look Premier League um, as well. First of all, your, your first thoughts on it before we dive into the, the ifs, buts and maybes. I think at some point, and I think we discussed this for quite a while, a new format was needed. I think it just adds an extra little bit of edge to Premier League nights. 
And maybe we'll see it maybe a little bit more kind of week 14, week 15, where sometimes we can see a lot of dead rubber games where players are guaranteed sixths and sevenths and eighths and maybe the playoff picture looks pretty much sorted. So what it does give, it gives an extra element to every week. I think it's it's a format which will probably come back in nine, ten weeks' time to judge as to whether it's the effective format. But for an opening night, it worked. The crowd were really engaged with it. They loved it. Helped, of course, as well for the Welsh representation with Price and, and Johnny Clayton. But yeah, I think as far as starts go, I think the PDC, Sky and, and everyone around it will be quite happy about how it went. Yeah, um, look, from, from being in the venue, I'll, um, if anyone else was in the venue, let us know. Um, again, just a quick couple of evenings. Uh, mental health with me is in. Matthew says, hi. Craig says, Google's controlling my life. Absolutely. Um, Jerry is in. Tommy, Malachi, all the regulars are in. Jordan, thank you very much. Um, Dennis as well, your continued support means the absolute world to us. Um, but being in the venue, the first set or the quarterfinals, it was electric. Um, and then... With no walk-ons for the semi-finals, look, I completely understand why it was done for, for time and whatever, and you don't want to see three sets of, of walk-ons. But without the walk-ons, it almost seemed to go a little flat in the venue. Does that make sense? Because it's it's the walk-ons that drive the energy um, and, and everything um, like that. So it was it was a little bit strange. Um, and the Sky Sandman was at his hands full, that's for sure. Um, with the sound going up and down, depending on what our lovely, lovely Welsh audience was singing. Um, but yeah, no, look, it, it, it was good. Um, first up, though, Johnny Clayton, too much for Joe Cullen. Joe didn't play badly, but Johnny was just ruthless, Henry. Yeah, and, and the champion got off to the perfect start. It's always going to be tough for Joe, new player in the Premier League. And we've seen before, sometimes it can take a, a couple of weeks to get used to the stage, get used to the big crowds. I thought he settled in OK, as you, as you say, but Johnny Clayton just oozes his class about him, doesn't he? He always delivers on this big stage. And and, and he did so again, obviously, on Thursday in our opening victory. And Joe will go again next week. I think, I think the tournament format for a player like Joe Cullen I think will actually help him where sometimes in the past the league format I mean we've seen with players before that finished bottom and, and bottom by a few points they go to week seven week eight week nine and it's they're like a beaten man whereas with Joe he can work his way into the Premier because it's a tournament format so it's nothing too alien for him so for him as a debutant he can work that way but as you say Johnny just had that little bit extra class in the, in the end yeah no absolutely and then this, this damp in the atmosphere, the Iceman, the world number one, Gellerin Price, defeated 6-3 by, by James Wade. And look, guess he's had an off day, but it's only James Wade can win with an 88 average in the Premier League. Only, only James Wade can do it. The thing is, you can analyse stats and everything about every darts player, probably 127 of 128 darts players, but it's pointless analysing that with James Wade. The, the name the machine is at because he'll find ways to win darts matches, whether it's 110 average or 76 average. He he just finds a way. And, and, and yeah, going, I don't know whether perhaps home crowd back in Cardiff, whether that maybe played a little bit of a part in the end, but he would have been disappointed with that. Obviously, didn't play last year as world champion, coming back into the Premier League. So there was a lot of things racing through his mind on that night, whether that perhaps became a little bit too much, we don't quite know, but... Wadey does what Wadey does best, and that's just finding ways to win darts matches. Yeah, completely. Um, again, in the chat room, you're all absolutely smashing it. We'll come to your comments shortly. Um, and then the world champion, Snakebite Peter Wright, 6-3 
over Michael Smith in a repeat of the world final. It wasn't particularly good from Bully Boy. Um, maybe a little bit of a world world hangover. Wright was averaged a bang on a, a ton and fairly comfortable for for Peter Wright. Henry, not real too mm-hmm. much in that one. Yeah, and Peter White kind of just got through the gears, didn't he, and just got over the line. Unfortunately for Michael, just again, a bit like Gerwin, just didn't quite happen on the night. And Peter White's just got this this BC game, and we're talking about 100 averages being a BC game with Peter White. That's how good the level is at the minute. But he, he just looks so leisurely in doing it. It doesn't look like he broke sweat, and that's and that's the standard that Peter White's playing at at the minute. And again, Michael Smith will go again, and I think another one of those players will fancy this tournament type format perhaps over a league phase format but I mean obviously we'll talk about the Pro Tour again obviously a little bit later on but this Premier League defeat then the Pro Tour weekend just one or two little questions for Michael Smith after a fantastic World Championships yeah and then the the last game when when you look at it on stats it it was a weird game to watch um, in the press room but Gary Anderson beating Michael Van Gogh in 6-4 MVG averaging 96 I didn't think it was a 96 average. I thought I thought it was worse than that, if I'm being honest. Um, it was it was a strange game. They both broke throw. They both gave away their throw. It was um, it was weird. But look, there are question marks around MVG, and we'll we'll come on to that probably more in the pro tour. But a good win for Gary Anderson to set him off. Absolutely, and obviously a lot of people have said a lot of things about obviously Gary Anderson being in the Premier League so I think for him to get a win straight off the bat was important for him and I agree with you it felt a little bit cagey didn't it at times um I, I don't know why it just it felt like both players just couldn't quite get going and we're saying that with with, with the averages of 96 and, and 91 but it just felt like both had gears to go and they just for one reason or another just couldn't quite find it but for Gary the important thing he got the victory at the end of the day and he got himself into the semi-finals but Michael 96 average you'll you'll be disappointed with that because he sets such high standards but obviously then have that little eye going into next week's tournament as to wanting to bet this yeah completely Um, and then the semi-finals uh, Johnny Clayton beating James Wade um, 6-4 and after Gezi crashed in the opening round when James Wade was 4-2 up, the um, Motor Point Arena went very, very flat. Um, but mm-hmm. it was one of those games where Wade was only in front because of Johnny's missed doubles. Um, look, you can look at the averages and stats like that. It wasn't because Wade was playing better. Johnny was just missing an absolute truckload of doubles. And James Wade's an absolute opportunist. And and this is the thing with the Premier League, like it or loathe it, they will get behind their local guy if their local guy is playing in the format. We saw that with the contenders. We see it, obviously, when Gary plays in Scotland. We're seeing it now with Johnny and Gerwin playing in Wales. They will get behind their player. And, they, and to a certain extent, they, they don't care about their, their opponent and what they're throwing, what they're doing. They just want their guy to win. And I think after Gerwin went out, Johnny and a bit of bother, they went there expecting a Welshman to win that was their expectation. That's why they paid the money. They wanted to see one of Gerwin and Johnny to go and win. And when that can go so early in the night, the atmosphere can die a little bit. But maybe Johnny sensed the atmosphere go flat as well because crowds can go one way or the other with players, can't it? Maybe see the fact that it went flat 
then if he could just do something, just get something going, he knew the crowd would be back on side. Sometimes it's those real small psychological uh, moments with the crowd. But as you say, Johnny was really in command of the game and it was down to the fair as to whether he was going to win and whether he was going to lose. And he knew if he was going to miss any more doubles, you know what James Wade is like. He'll take the opportunities. But he, he kind of found that extra gear towards the end and that's what kind of got him over the line. Yeah, and then the second semi-final... Arguably, this was the game of the night in terms of both players playing well. And it was a joy. This was some vintage Gary Anderson. Lost out to Peter Wright 6-5, but the Scottish World Cup winning um, teammates literally put on a show. And, and for me, this, this was my game of the night, Henry. Yeah, and there's a certain combination of players, isn't there, that when they play each other, things just click. And, and Peter and Gary, that's... That's very much the case. I can't say this was the one I watched too much of on Thursday night as I was flicking between this yeah. and the seniors. But yeah, this this was absolutely fantastic. The bits I did watch was absolutely fantastic. Real joy um, to watch. And yeah, we we saw those glimpses of Gary Anderson, didn't we? Of of the Gando we know, the Gando we love. And, and if he if he plays like that over the course of the Premier League, he will be there and thereabouts in the race for the O2. Yeah, completely. Well, Newcastle these up. days. Yeah, um, and then there it is. The final was one-way traffic, but it was the world champion who took the opener in the Premier League. Ten thousand pounds in his back pocket, a six-one win over Johnny Clayton, but one hundred and thirteen average from Snake Bite. Um, Johnny was a little bit flat, and when it's being pounded back at you, there's not a lot you can do. To be fair, um, but done and dusted. Night one, overall thoughts, deserved winner, Henry. Absolutely. And we mentioned on the Pro Tour coverage on Sunday, Peter Wright's the sort of player, as soon as he sees a finishing line and as soon as he sees a final, he runs towards the victory posts. And, and did he more than do that, of course, uh, of Thursday night, 113 average, which is just absolutely staggering. And, and Johnny Clayton, it's one of those moments where you just put your hands up and say, oh, just beat him by the better man. There's probably no chance. Even if I averaged 110, 130 myself, Peter probably would have found a way to have won the game. He was absolutely unplayable in that final. And he's showing why perhaps he could well be one of the dominant forces of 2022. That was a real, real gutsy and a real statement performance. To so put that down on stage, first Premier League night, I'm here to play. I'm Peter Wright and I'm the world champion and wanting to be world number one. Absolutely. So that was night one in Cardiff. The players then zoomed back up across the M4, up the M5 towards Barnsley. The Metrodome was back, one of the meccas of darts in the UK for the first Pro Tour of 2022. And at last, we can say Luke Humphreys has won a PDC ranking title. Lost in a few finals, but cool hand getting over the line. We'll, we'll come on to the final in a minute, um, Henry, but there were some real, real stories. And I look at some of the players. Gary Anderson getting to a quarterfinal is huge. We spoke about it earlier that I'm expecting big things from Andy with the Premier League back and playing week in, week out. That that was a joy. A resurgence of Daryl Gurney as well, getting to a semi-final. Mm -hmm. That's great news for Super Chim fans. Indeed, and this year's really big year for Daryl Gurney, just to see where he's going to go. He's the sort of player, he's kind of got the action, he's kind of looked consistent to get back, but you want to get results early on in the year, and these Pro Tours could be a massive guide as to where your season's going. Of course, it's still early days, but that he'll take some real encouragement from that. Getting to a quarter final early on in the season, had a 
fairly decent day on, on Sunday as well. So it's just little building blocks which you can kind of go on from there. Yeah, as well, I'll just look at some of the debutants as well. Cameron Menzies getting to the last 32. Um, Brian Roman getting to the last 32. Lee Evans, the last 16. Um, Scott Williams, obviously the standing, um, doing really well. Some real, real standouts mm -hmm. from um, the, some of the new guys. Indeed. And of course, Jim Williams beating Gerwin Price as well. That's some debut yeah. to the, the PDC circuit, isn't it? And I think Jim's one of the players that we've all been looking out for, haven't we? Since we knew he was going to win a tour could as to how he's going to do on the PDC tour. We saw what he did on the BDO WDS circuit, former world championship finalist, former world championship one up there. And he always felt he was a player that sooner rather than later will cut his cloth in the PDC. And when you are a big name player from the other organisation moving across to the PDC, there is an added pressure on you. And for some players like Glenn Dunn, you five under it. And then you see other players, perhaps like a, a Mark McGinney, it doesn't quite work out. But Jim Williams has set his stall very quickly there. And for the new tour card holders, and we mentioned this yesterday, sometimes it takes them um, maybe two or three rounds of these players' championship events. Maybe it takes to about April time for them to find their feet. But there's probably four or five that will think already after the first weekend, they're kind of acclimatised to this PDC environment. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. There was obviously some some big name casualty as well. Devin, Devin Peterson, a man that is defending a King's Ransom, losing in the opening round. Not ideal for the African um, warrior. I um, was expecting um, a little bit more. Chris Doby, same as last year, finding a way to lose eye-catching mm -hmm. games. Um, he was miles clear in the averages against Ross Montgomery, but he found a way to lose a deciding leg. Look, Dobes is, is absolutely top draw, but it's just ironic that his, his numbers are very, very impressive again, but not winning games. And sometimes you've got to scratch your head and think, how on earth can I play so well but lose so many matches? And that's going to be a frustration for him. But the one thing he doesn't want it to be is endemic. Obviously, it happened a few times at the end of last year. It's happened once already this year. We've seen before with players where they can play well and keep losing matches and they can kind of get stuck in a rut a little bit where they're playing well despite playing well. And sometimes psychologically that can play so many games with you. So sometimes it, it can even be a case of you win a scruffy game 6-5 where you've averaged maybe in the low 80s. Sometimes something like that is something that gets your confidence back after losing so many good games playing so well 6-5. It's a weird psychological one with Chris. Yeah, and um, Dozer, although it was a defeat, the, the average in the performance was better. Yeah, we were all looking at Glenn, weren't we, at the start of the day on Saturday to see how he's going to play. We all know what happened in 2021 and, and such a popular player, such a popular guy and everybody wants to see him have some success this year. And yeah, look, it's it's all about building blocks with Glenn. It was starting from a very low base and building himself up from there. Obviously, we've seen with some of the averages last year, it's an improvement on that. He takes that as the first positive and then little baby steps, improving the averages then getting that first win, and then you build from there. It's really, really small baby steps, but luckily Glenn Don't looks as if he's on the right road at last. Yep, absolutely. Uh, JK is in the chat. I hope you are good, mate. I'll see you on Wednesday. Um, but semi-finals, Ryan Searle beating Peter Wright 7-5, both of them with eye-catching averages. And Luke Humphreys edged mm. out Daryl Gurney mm. in a last leg to the side as well. Two very good semi-finals, Henry, which tees us up 
for the final. Luke Humphreys, a ton average in the final. Super stuff from Coolhand throughout. Absolutely. And he's one player you cannot begrudge winning that first PDC title. But just going back to the standard very quickly before we talk about Luke, the standard all day was absolutely exceptional. We counted the averages all together in the, between the eight quarter finals. And when you consider Matajski was averaging about 80, 81, the eight players put together averaged 97. So if you took Matajski's out as anomaly, that's seven out of eight players averaging around a ton between them. That was the standard we saw on Saturday in Barnsley. And you do wonder the first couple of events, what the standard's going to be like. Well, they've hit the ground running. But for Luke, fantastic start to the year. He's another one of those players that we're kind of looking for big things, aren't we, in 2022. He's on the cusp now of the top 16. We expect him probably to break into that at some point this year, have some runs in TV events. And look, these first weekends, when you get a title, it sets your stall out for the year. And what he has done by setting his stall out is to say, look, I'm going to compete with the best of you. I'm here to win events. And I'm here to really climb up the rankings and cause some damage. And he's done that on Saturday. Absolutely. Then moving on to the Sunday, it was Pro Tour number two in Barnsley. And it was a familiar winner. In that man's state bike, Peter Wright added to his tally of titles in a few days. We'll come on to him more in a minute. But I know Laura is in the chat room as well. But massive shout out John O'Shea, the joker. Getting to the last mm. 32 as well. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what John's going to do on tour because we see when he gets it right, he's going to be a handful for anyone. Absolutely agreed. And we've seen him, didn't we, a few times on the online darts live league. And at times he can throw darts that any player in the world is going to be under pressure against. And I think the Absolutely. thing we've always said about PDC tour card holders coming in and I think we, we kind of, I think Chris Mason or Paul Nicholson, one of the guys who was on comms last year in the online darts live league, said obviously, you know, the A games, a lot of the players that were playing in that league was really good. But obviously when you're converting yourself as a as a PDC pro, it's about adapting a B game that's winnable. And all these new tour card holders, that's something they're going to find over the next six months, that winning B game. And But as, as far as the first weekend goes, it's a bit like what we talked about with Glenn Dunn. When you're new to the, the pro tour, it's taking little baby steps sometimes. And last 32 is a really good start. It's something you can build on. There's money as well in your order of merit straight away. There's no two first round defeats and you're still on zero. That's sometimes the biggest hurdle to overcome is to make sure you've got money on your ranking. He's got that already. So as I say, with all these players that have just joined the Pro Tour, it's those little building steps. And, and John O'Shea has certainly done that this weekend. It was, but the, the one standout, arguably, of, of, of the weekend, and I, I know he got battered in the semi-final in the end, but big bad Boris Kirchmar run to the last four. Mm. Um, and along the way, we've, we've seen averages just astronomical in the last one to eight, bang on um, a ton. Then 105, 97, 96, 98 and 94. That is very, very impressive stuff from the Croat. Absolutely spectacular. And we, we looked at it on the live stream yesterday, last year, across all the pro tours, he, he got something like £4,500 in prize money. Of course, there's different monetary factors in the Players' Championship events this year, but he's already earned just over £4,000 in one weekend. And what it's also done, and I know it's very early days, but he's just outside the race now for the World Match Play space. If he beat Gerwin Price in that semi-final, 
He would have been in the provisional places for Blackpool. I know there's still a few months to run until that field is confirmed. But that run one on Sunday has given the opportunity and a springboard now to have a really good 2022. If you have one more good run, he puts himself right in the mix for match plays, puts himself right in the mix for tournaments like the World Grand Prix and, and, and things like that. So it, the, the, there's a real importance of these early players' championships, as I say, to set the stall. And, and Boris did that, played very well. I think just ran out of steam in that semi-final against Girl and Price. When you're not used to playing those really long days, sometimes it can catch up with you. And I think that was probably the case. But just someone else to bring up as well, who had a fantastic Sunday, was Stephen Burton. Not even a talk at all. Knocked out Raymond Van Barneveld. Knocked out Michael Van Gerwen. And went on a brilliant one throughout the day. And he would have been more than pleased with his weekend. I mean, a lot of the players who came in via other routes, Jim McEwen and Scott Williams, they can be happy with their weekend's work. And we're kind of seeing, haven't we, over the last two years, the players that are getting the call up from the Challenge Tour or Q School Order on Met or whatever route they get called up for, they're now ready. Whereas sometimes we've seen those players going, it's a bit like a, they're kind of going into the deep end a little bit and they don't quite know what to do. And, and sometimes they can they can take a bit of a battle with confidence. But the players that have, that have come in as the reserves this weekend have done a brilliant job. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the match play. It might be six months away, but tickets went on sale. So we can talk about the hallowed Winter Gardens again. <laughs> I cannot wait. Um, but I'm um, looking at from the quarterfinals onwards. Peter Wright beat Rob Cross 6-4. Damon Hetter 6-1 over Neil Zonneveld. Boris Kirchmar beating Stephen Bunting. And Gunnarin Price beating Stephen Bunting. Then the semi-finals, Peter Wright 7-3 win over Damon Hetter. As we said, Gezi demolishing Kirchmar 7-0 in the end. All eyes were on the final as one and two collided, and now the gap between them is paper thin. Um, but although it was eight five, I would we had this on because the session had finished um at the tavern. Gezi will be scratching his head how this game got away from him, Henry, because mm -hmm. there were for large spells he had Peter Wright exactly where he wanted him. He he felt as if probably up and up until at seven five right he was in control of the game, but Peter Wright just had a clinic of finishing, didn't he? Just above that hundred mark, and he just kept taking yeah. it out. I mean, the one thing that Gurn will scratch himself about, and probably most frustrated about, was he did have opportunities in a couple of legs to break Peter Wright's throw, couldn't take it, and ultimately in the end, that was how the game swung and how the game changed because Peter White took those opportunities on the break of throw, took out the high outs when he needed to take it. And I think as soon as he got himself in front, as soon as he got himself 7-5 in the lead, there was only going to be one winner from there. Even going Price, world number one, would was struggling to, to kind of come back against it. But as you say, the race for world number one now, really, really hot up. As you say, not much in it, about five and a half grand between them. And, and next weekend... Down at Wigan, or up at Wigan, as compared to yeah. where we're at in the minute, we could see a change in hands of world number one. And if it does happen, don't expect it to be for the last time this year because these two are going to have some battles over that supremacy. And this weekend was a marker, a real marker. And Peter White winning that match, it puts a statement not just to the rest of the field, but in particular to go and prize as to, well, I'm going to be the man this year and I want to be the man that dominates. And that's been a statement fire to Gerwin and the rest of the field. Yeah, although it's only early on, there was some significant <laughs> movement in the rankings. Um, near the top, did not a lot changed, but the one knows one. Ryan Searle now moves to world 14. Aspinall, without playing, obviously due to the injury, has dropped to 16. Kind of worrying times for the Asp, but he's on the, what is he, 
that eight, about 17 grand from dropping out of the top 16. Look, that injury is obviously an issue and we wish Nathan all the very best and hope it's sorted sooner rather than later, Henry. Otherwise, he's going to be behind the eight ball. Well, the problem is as well with Nathan Asmal if he drops out of the top 16. It's not just a case of he's out of the top 16 in the order of merit. Even if he dropped out that top 16, he's not in the Pro Tour top-up field for the World Match Players thing stand. So even though he's got the injury, he's going to have to play through that pain barrier if he wants to qualify for these events this year. So Nathan Asmal's in this weird, this really, really precarious position of, do I play through the pain barrier, try and qualify for events, or do I take a little bit of a hit on the rankings to make sure the surgery goes well, to make sure I can get the shoulder back to something like it was before? It won't be totally like it was before, but something I can play with and play to a high level. He's kind of caught, as you say, behind the eight ball, caught between the devil and the deep blue sea a little bit. It's a big few months coming up for Nathan Aspinall. Possibly career defined. I don't want to sound too dramatic about it, but it is really, really crucial. And it would be a shame because we know what Nathan can do and it's... It, and and when it's injuries that bring you down the rankings, that must be the most frustrating thing in the world because it's not your raw ability to bring you down the rankings. It's through a third-party factor which you cannot control. Yeah. Um, Tiz has joined us in the chat room. Hope you are good, my friend. Um, and then going and drop down Boris Kirchmeier's impressive run moves him up three to 58. But Martin Schindler is now into the top 64 for the first time on his new cycle of his tour card. John Henderson is now outside the 64. Worrying times for Hendo. Um, yeah, he just, he worries me a little bit. Yeah. I know. He does so worry me a little bit back. as to what this year is going to do. Yeah, oh, completely. And then from the um, newbie, Stephen Burton, um, obviously topping up as well. He's up eight places. He's now 93 um, Jamie Clark, debutant, comes in at 96. Johnny Shea, 94. Look, for all these um, people that have just jumped on and won their cards, two grand on opening weekend of the Pro Tour, that's, that's not too bad. Not to be sniffed at one little bit. And again, the monetary factors have changed. But you look at things like the Players' Championship. Uh, was it Paul Nicholson who made the point of first year, you want to get into the Players' Championship and World Championship, do that. You're in a very good position to keep your tour card. So two grand gets you well on your way to get into that Players' Championship at Minehead at the end of November. Obviously, this year with new monetary changes, we don't quite know what the par cutoff will be. But two grand gets you well on your way there. It gives you a good start to your PDC career. You're not chasing that first victory, as we know is the most important one, isn't it? If you're going around two, three events waiting for your first win, then it can kind of get in your head a little bit. They've got that over the line. They've got a few grand on the ranking. That can also help them, obviously, with sponsorship and other things as, as the year goes on, especially with the with the new guys. So it, it's a solid enough start. It's foundations they can build on. Obviously, next week, another round of players' championships. You can get another few quid on that. Then you're in a really, really good position as the, the Euro Tour qualifiers come in. Try and qualify for that. And then just build your base from there. It's slow incremental steps. But for a lot of them, they'll be happy with their weekend. And it's good to see a new cohort of tour card holders hitting their stride, because we don't always see that. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, just a couple from the chat room before we switch our eyes to the seniors. Daniel says, when's the, when's the entry list for the Euro qualifier coming out in the Pro Tours? Um, the Pro Tours will be some point, probably tomorrow, Wednesday at the latest. Um, the Euro Tours, look, 
we're, we're not sure if they're going to happen yet. Um, it may mm-hmm. be slightly too early. Um, I was chatting to the guys from PDC Europe. They're more than comfortable or more than confident that from the end of March, beginning of April, Euro Tours may be fine. So there may just be a slight tweak to the calendar, but obviously they can't do anything until they get guidance from the um, the German government. So their hands are tied a little bit um, on that, but I'm sure very, very soon um, we will get some clarity from that. But it wouldn't surprise me with Berlin going, wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. if Risa was maybe moved as well, Henry. It would be a logical thing. Yeah. I think possibly some moving and shaking around of the calendar. I mean, you look at possibly other countries and their restrictions. Gibraltar looks like probably an easy one to maybe move round if you can move that maybe early on in the year. Hungary look as if they have a, a lax system when it comes to COVID regulations. So I know it's an inconvenience for ticket holders, for event organisations and, and bookings and, and things like that. But if it means we get them all on, maybe switching it around. Gibraltar probably is the easiest one to sort out because... As I say, that the Terency Sports Hall or the Europa Complex, whichever one they can get, both booked in probably fairly easily, and people will be able to travel over with travel corridors and all the rest of it, and maybe Hungary and a couple of other places as well. So it might be a case you just juggle it about a little bit, maybe move Germany into the the summer period and early autumn, where we know that we should get action there compared to now, where we're seeing in in Germany and Holland's, and we've seen with the PDC events in that in those regions where. You just don't quite know what the restrictions are going to be. No, absolutely. Um, weekly darts caster in. Andrew is in. Hope you are both very, very good. Um, well, that's the Pro Tour and the Premier League all wrapped up. Henry, thank you very, very much. One, for holding the fort and anchoring the Pro Tour coverage and jumping on and going through it. Like I said, Gob and boys, he didn't see any of it, mate. So thank you very, very much for stepping in. Um, three times now over the last couple of days. Yes. <laughs> Makes a difference from the chat room, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but, mate, absolute pleasure, mate. And thank you very, very much for stepping in. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Phil. Not a problem at all. And as if by magic, Henry is going to depart. And with a swish of a blade... Gob and Boise are back in the room. Gentlemen, it seems like only a few hours ago I left you. Because <laughs> it was. <laughs> nice hoodie, Lee. Where'd you get that from? Um... <laughs> so I've, got, I've only got my hands on one. I'm not laying down. <laughs> um, Lau says, sign him up. Oh, he is, mate. Henry's part of the furniture now, mate. He's, um, he's loving life. So, Henry is part of the furniture. We'll be doing a lot, lot more um, as it stands. But, boys, that's the PDC out of the way. You two um, you two enjoyed yourself the weekend, didn't you? And to start with, we'll put this one up for you. Beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Love it. It's so heavy. So heavy. Ridiculously oh, sorry, heavy. And, and, yeah, it's it's freaking heavy. <laughs> yeah um where to start boys right we'll, we'll start at the beginning and look, on this show we, we we don't hide from anything thursday i got slammed on twitter and i'm gonna i'm gonna paint paint the picture first of all so in the in the press room in cardiff we we had it on um we had, we had it on the the, the iPlayer player on, on the laptop there was me wayne 
Pikey, a couple of the PDC boys. Granted, we had no sound. We were just watching the pictures, and it looked very, very good. And I put on Twitter, oh, it looks really, really looks good. And I got absolutely pound for it. Didn't know there were sound issues. Um, God, being in the venue, obviously there were, were issues on, on the Thursday. We won't hide from it. However, the effort the team put in to get them right in such a short turnaround, and then after that, it was just brilliant. Yeah, look, what what didn't go noticed as much was was just the attention to detail, the effort of everybody behind the scenes. Um, it, it was just fantastic. I mean, I was involved in the rehearsals uh, Wednesday night and Thursday morning. Um, so they, they'd already made a massive improvement up until that point. Then obviously we did have a few issues on the Thursday night, but to turn it around the way they did for the Friday session, it just kept getting better and better. Um, we know there were some issues with the BBC coverage kept dropping and, and it, there'd be an issue with that stream. That wasn't the fault of the World Seniors. That was a BBC issue. Everybody else was receiving exactly the same feed. It was the way that BBC were trying to broadcast it back out to everybody. Um, but on the whole, look, the improvements were made. The, 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 com the nice comments started to come throughout the week. Um, there's still a, an extra couple of gears for it to go to, uh, but in the most part, us as a team fight, it went fantastic and it, it was brilliant to be part of. Yeah, no, look, it was just unreal. The atmosphere, the buzz in and around the venue, social media, um, people coming to watch. Wayne had a great time on, on Sunday night. Um, why wasn't Helen told? Um, <laughs> was, um, was, was, was good. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think as, as, as Dob sort sort of alluded to there, this it's the first one they've done. So yeah, that we there's a lot of rehearsals done. I was there and I uh, Dob was heavily involved in them uh, while I was in the venue Wednesday Thursday and all the preparation. It seemed like was in a good place. Obviously, as he said and everyone's aware that Thursday didn't run as smoothly as did like, but when you've got them to the back end of the weekend, you know the, the darts aside. The, the effort that was put in that were obviously we've seen the errors that were put in to make sure that it runs smoothly. Yes, there's still some things to work on, but if you look back at any event that's been run for the first time, none of them have run perfectly smooth and we still have issues at every type of event or every stuff there. So there's stuff to work on. I think the, the, the key thing from all that is that from where the World Seniors was on Thursday to the production side of it to where it was then on Sunday look at that change in four, three, four days. And if you can do that in three or four days, then moving forward, it's only going to be, uh, it's only been going to be positive. And just to elaborate on what you said at the start, Phil, this is not us being biased as we was heavily involved. We're not hiding away. There was faults there, um, but we do, we're all going to work. And uh, everyone at World Seniors, the team that were there, done a fantastic job to make sure that Tom Friday onwards, that it, it run, a lot, lot smoother. Yeah, no, completely. It was, I say, it was great. And like I said, we didn't know there was sound issues on the first day in Cardiff. We had it on with no sound and it looked great to watch. It, it, it really did. But like we say, the, the, the sound issues were sorted, but just watching it to the naked eye was was superb. Um, so it was, it was there. And then... Let, 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 let's get into it. Let's get into the darts itself. Um, I'll let you two take the the, the, the Thursday session because obviously I was in Cardiff 
like the Premier League. Um, you didn't see any of that. I didn't see much of the Thursday gob. Correct. <laughs> but no, it, it, look, Thursday was was good. I think we started off brightly. Um, you've not got it in draw order, but I think Thornton opened the show. Um, and look, spoiler alert, it was, it was a class above for the entire weekend. Um, superb from him. Um, I'm just trying to get the day order up because I've just got... Well, yeah, I've, got, Jack, I've got it. I've that's got a, it that's up all I had on WhatsApp that you sent me. That's all I could find. Um, <laughs> yeah, so on the first day, it was Thornton who got the better of Anderson first name. Uh, Manley then beat Hedman. Uh, Tony O'Shea got knocked out by Painter and Richie House and Dunford then fitting. But looking at the, the first name, as much as um, you've just said there, Dob, about the Thornton showed his step above even early on, um, the moment of the day wasn't from Thornton. And I know you've got the the numbers of how much you've produced from Mr. Anderson and just one moment right at the end of that day. It's not even the moment of the game. Look, the tournament was fantastic, but anybody that stands there and tries to deny me the fact that Bob Anderson's 180 and that finger point wasn't the most iconic moment <laughs> of the entire tournament. I'll, I'll just have you for it. It was absolutely superb. The fact it was his last three darts was... It just couldn't have been any more perfect than that. He's, he's done nearly 400,000 views as a clip on social media. It's absolutely brilliant. I've, I've just sat, I think half of those thousand are me, to be honest. I've just sat watching it all weekend the minute it was out there. Uh, but the circus haven't absolutely loved it. I think people at home absolutely loved it. Um, and it was just superb to see people like Bob Anderson, like John Lowe, up on that stage throwing darts again. Oh, completely. That finger point was just the things dreams are made of. I think um, yeah, there it, was very much two levels to this tournament, wasn't there? There was the top end, your final darts, the players that are competitive, your Thornton, your Martin Adams, surprising from Terry Jenkins, your Kevin Painter, perhaps John Walton was pretty solid, Larry Butler as well. But then there was also the nostalgia at the other end of, of seeing John Lowe, of seeing Bob Anderson, we saw a walk-on from Bobby George uh, between the semi-finals and the final in the venue. That was uh, took a while, as, as Bobby tends to do when he gets a walk-on. The man shook everybody's hand he could possibly find on the way. Um, <laughs> superb from him, um, and just all those other all those other little moments that went on at the tavern. The attention to detail to, to get the fans involved was again magnificent. Yeah, oh, completely. Um... Obviously, Alan Moranlitter was carrying injury. He thought he was going to be all right, but he was the only disappointment. But look, injuries happen in sport, and then, then, then so be it. Nothing could could be done. But moving on from the, the second round onwards, that all eyes were on one man returning. And on that Friday night, boy, see that that walk on, the, the iconic Phil Taylor walk on at the Palace was spine tingling. Yeah, it, it was. And I think it's added that extra element to it that it was also him coming back and he was playing Peter Manley. Um, nothing against detail. And if, the, if it would have been against detail, I think it would have been a good game, potentially even closer. But um, but the walk on, knowing then he was down on that stage against Peter Manley uh, in 
a rematch. And shall we say it was just it was so good. Just to, like I said, to be there, to be lucky enough to be there and see that at that time. It was one thing with since the announcement of World Senior, since the announcement of Phil being in it, um, it was what everyone was waiting to see. Um, in coming back out, it was one of a few as as Dobbs alluded to, some of the, the legends. I know some were expecting Phil to go further and probably push on and it was tournament favourite. Um but it was one initially. It was just making sure we saw that war on um, from Phil and Ditton on the stage, and and it produced some good darts in that game. But there was also some that were a bit a bit wayward. Um, but there was there was signs in there that you thought he could probably push on a bit more. But he got the win, and I know Taylor, as we all know, Phil would want to go on and win a tournament. The one thing he definitely wouldn't want to do is he's one day in bat, he's losing to Peter Manley. So at least he got that one, that one, that one in before. Obviously, he moved on to the Saturday. Yeah, second game down in just draw, draw bracket order. I'm not going to lie. I was disappointed by Wayne's performance. I was expecting more from Wayne, and he's a better player than that. I, I genuinely had this earmarked as one of his potentially the, the closest games on paper, but it just didn't happen um, for Wayne. I'm not sure how much competitive darts he is thrown, and Wayne summed it up brilliantly in that, in that little interview he did with Helen. That, that this showed more than anything that the ones that have been competitive were the best players there. The one, there's, look, Phil openly have been putting in hours of practice, but there's nothing like match practice, and, and I think that's shown. And look, Kevin Painter, 90, 94 average in change is very, very respectable, but Wayne's slightly disappointing. Yeah, I think think you're bang on for that game. Wayne Warren in his we, we spoke to him on the media day on Thursday afternoon and he said he struggled a little bit to get match practice in because he lives in Wales and they've been a little bit further behind with opening up from COVID restrictions. So there's been fewer events and competitions for him to get to, but he was looking forward to, to getting his teeth into it, if you like. Um look, Kevin Painter was superb though. It was absolutely yeah, magnificent. Ninety five yeah. ninety five average, one of the best of the weekend, if not the best, I think. By the time it all ran out, there was plenty of others that looked like they were threatening that throughout the weekend and then might have the odd dip of a set. But that, that performance from Kevin Painter, coupled with the performance of Phil Taylor before, look, Phil Taylor is magnificent and he is the great player that he is. But if after seeing those two performances, you still expected Phil to beat Kevin the night after, there was something a little bit, you know, a little bit blindsided by the history then, I think, massively. Oh. Completely. All you had to do was look at the amount of champagne bottles on Rod Studd's Twitter. So I'm to elaborate on that. Um, but then um, Trina Gulliver, although she lost um, 3-0 to Robert Thornton, th- there's good signs for Trina. And look, we all know what she's been through and it's a, it's a steady and it's progressive comeback. But there were, there were good signs for the Golden Girl, Boise. Yeah, uh, definitely was. There was... There was a, a set in there, I think Thornton was just unplayable. We saw one in the final, I think we saw one in this game as well. Um, but there was there were signs in there, I mean, it's just one of those. Because it probably didn't help that she come in as a seed, because she was always then in a place someone who's already been up on that stage. Um, rightfully, she was a seed, obviously being 10-time champion. But looking at it now, it probably didn't help her, because um, when the draw was made, she was playing someone who'd already been up there and had a dame on the stage and as we've spoke about match experience, being back on that stage and back in that atmosphere, 
um, because the first time I've been to Surtis Tavern, it certainly there's a different atmosphere than any other darting venue I've been to because of how close you are. Um, so, but it was good seeing. I think we'll see Trina at many more of the uh, senior events, and hopefully this will spur her on to put more time into it, and hopefully there's no more injuries, so we'll see her get better and win a top of games in these tournaments. Yeah, look, Dave Prince too strong for John Lowe and John Lowe all but retiring in his speech afterwards. He said it was great to have one last one last hurrah, but Dave Prince again playing regularly and that showed 90 average from the from the Badger too just too much. Um then John Park beaten by John Walton. John by Walton played some good stuff across the weekend, Gob. Yeah, look, the man's still playing County A darts for Yorkshire. If you're still in that side, you have to be averaging at least 25 to 30 in Super League just to even be considered. That doesn't even get you in sometimes. It's a very fiercely competitive team up there. Um, John Boyd's been on that 18 for a while now. So he was probably one of the more match-ready players coming into this. Um, tough, tough draw for John Part. I think the last three games we've just spoken about were tough draws, to be honest. Trina Gulliver would not have wanted to see Robert Thornton come through that opening round and, and John Lowe getting Dave Prince again, who probably plays more regularly than a great big deal of the field. Um, and again, this is just one of those where it's an absolute stinker of a draw um, for John Park. Found himself at Q School. I think the numbers were a little bit lower than what I was perhaps expecting from him. I think his Q School performances yeah. said he might deliver a little bit more. And I guess perhaps that's the, the big stage factor being back on TV. That's a little bit of a step up from playing... Uh, at Milton Keynes, I guess. So, yeah, look, John Boy was solid. Mid, The averages, I'd say, mid-70s for a lot of the week for him. But I think his double percentage was around 20% for the weekend. He wasn't great on the finishes an awful lot, and that seemed to take a few points off him. His scoring phase, very, very solid. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and then this has been earmarked as a really good game. Terry Jenkins, 3-1 winner over Lisa Ashton. Um, but Jenkins finishing, especially Boise, was was on point when it mattered. Yeah, it was on point. We, we was unsure with Terry what we was doing there because I think when we look back and we, with some of these players, we're looking back at what they've done more recently if we've seen them. So we live lead with Terry. There was inconsistencies there when he was playing. Um, there was some brilliant stuff and then some stuff not so much. So for him to to then come up against Lisa was a very, very difficult day. Um if I'm being honest, I was a bit disappointed with Lisa. Um, but I think that is because the standard that she's set over the past few years means that we are disappointed that she only got one set off Terry. So it's the positives there that she's set a high standard. Uh, and a lot of people were fancying her to go on and beat Terry Jenkins. So once then, it says a lot about where Lisa has been over the past few years. But in this time, I was a bit disappointed. So I thought she sort of pushed him and Terry a bit more, even though, as you said, his finishing was very, very good. Yeah, well, again, talking of Jenkins, I don't, don't know if he let it slip in the media day, but he did in one of his post-matches. So he'd actually gone back and played the last two county games in the build-up for this. So, again, someone that had taken it seriously and wanted some good quality match practice. Um. Yeah, and he, he won't be the first to do that either. We, we were speaking to Wayne Mardo yesterday He's about the fact that he wants to play when he turns 50. We saw a little bit of on-screen banter between him and Helen Chamberlain. But look, he's one of the people that have interacted with it on social media. 
more than any other. Um, and even then, we're like, Wayne, you can have a puff. And he's like, yeah, I'm already practicing, planning my return to Super League to make sure that I don't get caught out cold. The players are, are loving the opportunity to be back playing competitive televised darts. Yeah, 100%, um, which, is, which is good, which is what we want. And then this next one was an absolute belter of a game. But it was Larry Butler who came out on top. He beat Keith Della in a deciding set. We had a couple of clutch finishes, a couple of big celebrations from Delboy, but ultimately it wasn't enough. This is one of those that just highlights the difference in match practice. Larry Butler still playing regularly on the CDC, made himself a quarterfinal in Las Vegas a few weeks ago. Keith Della has probably put in more practice in terms of just practice than anybody else. Even before the, even before he was announcing the lineup, he got the practice board back out again. He's been on it a couple of hours a day, every single day, every opportunity. He couldn't wait to show me he got a board set up in his hotel room and he was ready for this. Um, but in those killer moments up on stage, Larry Butler just had that little bit more calmness, a little bit more composure. And he to steal a Mark Van Gerwen phrase, Larry Butler did the right things at the right moments, especially in that final set. That 180 was an absolute killer for Keith Della. Yeah. And then the final yeah. one in the second round. Bill, Bill, just on that day, can we, move, can we move on from the Della Dame without really mentioning those trousers? Because those trousers were something else that he decided to wear on Friday. Saturday, they were something else. They were horrific. <laughs> <laughs> they were so bad. So bad. Um, Wolfie returned. That howl at the top of the walk-on and then Hungry Like the Wolf blares out. And uh, I, I was excited to see Martin Adams play and he didn't disappoint. And in that first game, this was a tough one because Richie Hauser was brilliant in qualifying for this. And this was always going to be a toughie gob. It was indeed. <laughs> I got a lot of time for the Halsons. Um, I was there at the qualifiers and obviously Richie qualified. Uh, but I've known them in darts a long, long time before that. And it just became laughable at the end, didn't it? Even Richie up on stage, the minute Wolfie was firing in the first treble he needed for anything over 150, was just at the back of the stage laughing to himself, trying to shrug it off. But everybody just knew where it was going. The minute the first one went, every single other one was going and it was a display oh. of finishing. I don't think we'll see the like of, even in the PDC this year, if you see a better display of Tom Plus finishing in the PDC this year, I'll be very, very surprised. Oh, it was just, I mean, it was vintage Martin Adams. It was Martin Adams that won three world titles. Um, so, yeah, before we um, before we go back to the quarterfinals, um, Jamie, uh, Larry Butler won the first ever match play, mate. That's why he was invited. Um, so well, He wasn't originally. Larry Butler was a last-minute replacement. What happened was Chris Mason attended the qualifier. Larry Butler couldn't attend the qualifier because of COVID, and because of that, he was the highest profile name player that hadn't lost in the qualifier that then could be invited once um, the players that picked up their tour cards did. Yeah, but you, Butler you was always going to be in the match play as the match play champion previously. Once once that event was yeah. announced, as was Everson, etc. Anybody that's won a previous event, we've seen Colin Monk be added to the Masters. Um, but yeah, Chris went to the qualifier. So anybody that went to the qualifier, the likes of Mace, the likes of Ronnie Baxter, Mark Walsh, etc., they couldn't then just be added to this field once we had changes after Q school. Why not? 
because they've already surely, lost surely. their opportunity to qualify for the event. Surely you must have a rule one. No. You will. You will soon. You'll. You'll, you'll learn. There will, there always has to be a rule one somewhere. Um, quarterfinals. Um, we'll go bottom to top this time. Um, Martin Adams, Larry Butler. Larry Butler will look on the second set when he had Martin Adams on the ropes, and almost Wolfie was saved by the bell, Boise. But from that moment on, he didn't look back. Don't give the wolf a second chance. Exactly that. Um... That's been the same with Wolfe throughout his career and the same happened here if that second set would have done the way of Butler. Um, there was real danger. I'm not going to say that Martin Adams would have lost the game because as we saw the previous night, what he could do um, under pressure. Um, however, once that second set did go the way of Wolfe, it just felt like then he was going to push on. Um, one thing that there's also to be mentioned in this one is with Larry Butler, he did play twice on the Saturday. So we played the last time on the Saturday afternoon, then come back and played um, last time on the Saturday night, which set play two days in a day is very difficult in the sense of the, uh, that they haven't done it. And when it's the semi-finals and finals, you've got the finalists have also, they've both played earlier on in the day. With this one, you didn't. Larry Butler had played in the afternoon. Martin Adams hadn't played till the previous night. So it, I think it gave Adams the advantage and it was all the talk was about if Adams stood then dead in front, you fancied him to go on then and, and win it, which he, which he did uh, comfortably in the end. Yeah. Um, and then Terry Jenkins, too strong for John Boy Walton, 3-1. Not much really to talk about. The same as the next one, Robert Thornton in a class of his own against Dave Prince. But then all eyes want a repeat of the 2004 final. Kevin Payne's a heartbreak that day, but this time outclassed Phil Taylor goal. He did, and I hate to say it, we saw it coming. Painter was was superb. We, we saw a level from him on the live league uh, at times last year. The just it looked like it was the world championship final to Kevin Painter. Especially oh, we, yeah. where we were sat for the weekend was was not ideal for a press room, but we ended up sat directly behind a dartboard. We're on a table on the original stage, sat huddled. So when the players are coming off in the break, we're seeing what they're doing. And Kevin Painter was so amped constantly. He had his breathing exercises, his techniques, but it just meant so much to him to be up there, to, to beat Phil in the way that he did. Um, yeah, it was a class of performance from Painter in a venue that he has a lot of time for, doesn't he? So... Oh, completely. Before we move on, we've got a clip to play of Phil um, as, as well. This only went out tonight, but he was good enough to give us a few words after. We're lucky. He doesn't normally do press after he loses, so this was um this was quite good. The full interview is on our channel, but this is just a quick clip um, and encouraging. But I'll be honest with you, I've got the right jump because I've, I've embarrassed myself in front of me, you know, people that are coming to see me and pay good money to come and see me. And the only thing I can promise is you will not see me play like that again on the next one. Trust me. Has that really reignited that, that for 100%. 100%. I really have got the jump of myself. And it's the first time I was on stage, I was sweating, I was red hot, I was throwing some lovely darts and then they were getting big ones after that. And, and no, I'm not doing that again. I'm not 
if I don't do it, put it right, I'll, I will retire fully. Statement. Yes. And that wasn't just for show either. No, 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 he genuinely, <laughs> I, I did genuinely the whole, the whole fanboy thing went up and asked Phil for a photo after a loss, which is absolutely unheard of, but he was more than happy to give it. And I sat listening to the conversation he was having. Uh, he was with Roland Shulton and a couple of others, and he went, I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing that again. That was giving me the kick up the bottom. Because we were literally sat there after the performance, before the post-match interview slot, and we're like, that's a little bit of a worry. Knowing Phil like we do... He might just not turn up for the rest of the tour. He won't want to put himself in that position again. We're not sure if he wants to put the amount of work in that it will take to get it right. And the fact is, instant response is, no, nah, do you know what? I want this. And that that competitive edge, the minute he stepped back on that stage, reignited, he was ready for it. He's like, no, do you know what? I want this. I've missed this environment. That's exactly what we needed from Phil Taylor. Oh, I, I also think just... Just to add on to that, I think it's what we need for the seniors because every single player has played in this and every single player who's going to play across the rest of the year, some of which haven't played in the, the world, need to look at that. And though, if you don't put the time in, if you don't put the preparation in, as um, you've said, Phil, the match practice, how important that is, um, you are going to get shown up on it. There's a lot of the players, as we saw with a quality in that finals day, um, are coming to win this, they're not coming for an exhibition. They are coming and they are taking it serious because there's a lot of money to play for. So if Phil's done to up his game, we know what Phil can do when he when he ups his game. Everyone else should be looking at that and having the same mentality going into the rest of the year in the seniors. Semi-finals. First up, Kevin Painter, Robert Thornton. And, and these have been the best two players across the tournament meeting in the semi-finals, but it went the way of the thorn. And again, he just got his nose in front and just did the big things in the game, Gob. The, the real eye-catchy moments all came for Robert Thornton. Yeah, he just... I think the slow start killed Kev Painter off. I'm not sure. He looked far more comfortable in his other two games and he played in the evening in both of those games. And the fact this was first on, on the Sunday morning, I'm not quite sure he was, he was set for it. He looked like he was reaching a little bit towards that and just it just looked like everything was a struggle for the first two sets for him. And if you give Robert Thornton any kind of lead, the form he's been in, the way that he's played this weekend, you're going to put yourself in a massive, massive amount of trouble. The man, 31-180s over the course of the weekend, averaged just over 90. Um, he was just solid. He was, uh, as I think Wayne said, he was a star of the treble. He just did not miss once the first one was in. He was, it was solid and that just made him more difficult to beat. And Painter left himself a difficult task. He did try to fight back to get into the game, but like I said, just a little bit too much by that point. And then the second semi-final. This had us gripped because this genuinely could have gone either way between Terry Jenkins and, and Martin Adams. But in the end, it was the Wolf who just outclassed Jenkins' Boise in the semi-final. Yeah, it it was on on Sunday with both, even though um, the first one Thornton was in control. You was still there was still that aspect that painted to do something and potentially come back in it. With this one, it was sort of close throughout. Was it a two apiece? Um, yeah, and it used very much, very much dripped into it. To which way would go because of how well Terry had played across the weekend. We, obviously, we all know what Martin Adams can do in being three time world champion, but. 
it was it was a very very gripping game. It was a very good Sunday afternoon session with both semi-finals being fairly close. Um, but Adams just just stepping over the line. Um, four two doesn't reflect it being as close as what we're saying. But for me, it was uh, it wasn't convincing win. It was a very close one. Which teed up the final. Robert Thornton against Martin Adams. And, and spoiler alert, we've been all over the coverage, so I'd like to think everyone knows what an image that is. The tavern packed. Robert Thornton holding aloft the trophy. He got a little bit nervous, Scott. He was in control, but that finishing line was a little bit hard to get, get over. And that shows how much it means to these guys that Winning is everything. If they didn't care, he'd have just finished that off first or second. But 12 match starts later, he pinned double two to get over the line. Yeah, he kept leaving himself awkward finishes to do so as well. He found himself on 18, which split into nine. Then he found himself on seven, which ended up on double two. It, it just wasn't quite going. And look, Martin Adams did incredibly well to, incredibly well to stay competitive in some of these sets. That opening set from Robert Thornton... 118 average is quite frankly ridiculous. Just phenomenal from the thorn. Um, Adams did well to, to fight back to stay in it. It looked like he'd blown his chance in set four, I think it was. He possibly should have took that one and, and found a way. And if he takes that one and then takes set five like he did, we're looking at three, two, and potentially a different game. But it, it, it was very... I don't know, it was, it was sort of the way they both played all weekend. Robert got out to a good start early on. Martin Adams found himself just clinging on and outlasting players. And he couldn't outlast Robert Thornton. He's, he's played just as much competitive darts, slightly younger, slightly fitter, still plays a little bit more often as well, I think. And because of that, you just weren't going to you weren't gonna wear Robert Thornton down, even over the longer format. He just wasn't going to shut down over six sets. No, and look, boys, he, he had been the star of, of the show. I know it was all around Taylor, the, the post-match talk, but Robert Thornton said at the Challenge Tour, he was telling everyone he was going to go and win this, and true to his word, the Thorn takes that trophy home to Scotland. Yeah, he was telling everyone. Peter Wright was telling everyone. Um, there was a lot of confidence in Scotland that um, Robert Thornton was going was gonna to come through it, and that was from Thursday all the way to Sunday. He takes a very, very brave man to bat against him in any of those games from the first one, the very well he played. Uh, it was going to take something special. Um, two games in one day probably favoured him over Martin Adams, who um, was walking with a bit of a limp on the Sunday. Um, and obviously the, the set format increasing wouldn't have helped. But to, to as Dob said, to Tom flying out the blocks with an 118.6 hits, I think it was. Uh, I was sat with Dob watching the first set in the venue, and we both sort of looked at each other after each led doing, that's a clean 89, that's a clean 68. Just start the first two, wrapped it all up. It was the only minutes. set I sat and watched live, actually in the arena where I could see it, instead of being sat at our table for the entire weekend. I was like, do you know what, I'm going to take this moment and enjoy the first set set up what I need to on social media and just go out and enjoy it. And Robert Thornton produces 118 average. I was like, well, that was over pretty quickly. Back to work. <laughs> yeah, it lasted like it about, was... it felt like about two minutes and it was just done. Uh, but that, that set a precedent for the final because Thornton, um, I can't remember what he finished on average-wise around mid-90s. 
Um, so, so it, 93. 93. Set, set such a high standard early on. He was never obviously going to maintain that throughout. But it was so that he's finishing early on. Obviously, he missed eight or nine for the match. But he just set an early precedent in that final and, and then ran on with it. I'll tell you what was interesting for me and how far reaching this scenes has been. The fact that Peter Wright brings it up in his post-match PDC interview, that says it all to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there will be certain players on the on the tour at the moment that will have an eye on this that are perhaps coming towards the end. Peter Wright is not coming towards the end of his PDC career. No chance. He's, he's still the best player in the world right now. Wherever he will be world number one in the next couple of weeks. He can win at a canter, whatever he wants, and he's just superb whenever he switches it on. Um, but the likes of maybe Steve Beaton, Simon Whitlock was tweeting about it earlier in the week. He says he's not quite ready to give it up yet, but he's over the age of 50 as well. Gary Anderson. If Gary Anderson has to roll out of bed three days a year for a couple of paydays rather than every single weekend for a couple of years, <laughs> Gary Anderson will take that option. Right, he's still brilliant. So, look, there is a natural progression to this tour as well. The players coming off the PDC, etc. It's here to stay. The the response to this weekend, minus the production issues early on and and perhaps the sound issues throughout, it's here to stay. People loved it, and it will just keep progressing and progressing and progressing. And on on that, just not just on, it's a way from to finish. For someone like Thornton, this isn't a way from finishing. This is a way from fighting back and letting back on the tour. So, I'd, yes, he's won a hell of a lot of money. However, if I'm sure he'd still rather be on the tour and still rather be competing in PDC because that's what he's going to do at the end of the oh. year. However, it's an opportunity for him now to go and fight. Weaver, I know what you're going to say, Phil. Weaver, it'd be better money-wise for him to then have 12 months on the tour than pick up this. It's different. I know, but... What I was going to say is, I said this to Gob, be a little bit gutted if he couldn't defend his or have the opportunity to defend his title next year. If he goes to Q school and wins his card, then potentially he won't be able to defend it. Or the PDC to be nice again, as we say. <laughs> <next week. laughs> it's happened once, it won't happen again. I'm just saying. It's I never, once, I never said it's that. happened once already with an organisation that Barry Heard doesn't really like. This sort of agreement already exists in snooker between the World Seniors organisation and World World Snooker. I look, I'm not saying I don't know anything, but it would not surprise me if we get to that point and the question was asked. It would just make sense to do so. I'm not sure. One event is enough to turn around to the PDC and go, right, let us start sneaking our world champion into X, Y, and Z. But it certainly was a good benchmark to set up and go, do you know what? We can be here. We can be. There can be other benefits of being the world seniors darts champion. Yeah, no, absolutely agreed. Look, loved it. I want one highlight from the weekend at the Tavern, boys. We'll give one each. You paying for KFC. Bob Anderson's finger point, one hundred percent. And if it's not, you're a you're a lunatic. Oh, I like I, 
I've put something on social media about the scenes. I labelled about sits. I've just had to look on my phone at those sits to see which one really stands out. <laughs> um, you know, I just love the timing of it and the celebration. The 170 painter in the semi-final. I know he didn't don't want to win it, but that little that 170, the two treble twenties, the step back, the fact that um Fornton was on 220, so he didn't have to. Then he, he pinned the ball and that little dance that he did for the sort to stab in the crowd. In a Sunday afternoon session, which crowd-wise was pretty quiet early on and then got better and better and better and better for me throughout the day, that seemed to be the turning point for the crowd then really getting involved in the rest of that semi-final and the second one and the final on the night. Um, so I'd probably go for the, the Painter 170. I'm going, you're, you're... I'm going the Bob Anderson finger point. Even though I wasn't there and I watched it in, in Cardiff, I'm not going to lie. I loved absolutely every single minute of that. One other Generally, that I'm going to talk about the World, times. The, 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 the World Seniors. First up, the, um, the comms team were nothing short of sensational. However, John Gwynn coming in on the Sunday, obviously everyone knows that, that John's going through a lot away from um, sport right now. And I'm not going to lie... He doesn't look the best right now. He's quite quite light on his feet and, and doesn't quite look himself. However, that voice is still in tip-top condition and he smashed it with Webby and Murph. We were sat yeah. 10 yards away from the commentary box, which is soundproof, and the only person we heard all weekend was John Gwynn. Yeah. He still just got yeah. the most booming voice for such a. For, I didn't realize just how small John Gwynn is. I always expected him oh, to be yeah, quite large. Gentleman. He is so small in his stature, but his voice is, is just carries and it's booming. And he was absolutely superb. It was brilliant to see him. Yeah, it, it, it on, was just. I, I was just going to add to it on um, when we're talking about vocals and coming across. It was so good as well for Paul Ince to be calling in the uh, final double. Oh, Obviously, he almost should have been the second one. Yeah, also <laughs> went very wrong. And there was a lot of there was a lot more fans of Martin Adams, especially a few in the background. There's a lot more fans that Martin Adams did that fifth set, but I think it it, it needed to be. I know we we couldn't have changed after four. It needed to be hints that called in that that final and uh, that match shot, and you know yeah. calling out Rob Thornton as the world champion, um, with John winning comms. It was just it was the perfect setting for the the first world seniors world Darts championship. Is the two two worlds or one in there, Phil? I can't remember. That that that, that was brilliant, wasn't it? <laughs> that, 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 everyone, everyone was looking at it going. Oh, yeah. But anyway, what you said there seamlessly brought us on as well. Dropping tomorrow, we have an interview with Paul Hinks and he opens up, lifts the lid on his PDC darts. Future, if you want to call it that. But he lifts the lid on what has happened over the last year with the PDC. Very, very good. Very, very good um, listen as well. So that is out tomorrow. But that was the World Seniors. Gob, not long to wait to the next one. The end of May, the World Seniors returns to Lakeside for the whoa, whoa, whoa. Masters. 
for the next one televised. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of work to do before then. We've got the first Open Series in Newbury. We've got the qualifier uh, for the Lakeside uh, for the Masters in Reading as well. And then we get to the Lakeside. So plenty to do, plenty of interest will be peaked. I think the relative success of Prins and Housen will definitely have peaked a few players as well to go, I could do that. I could have a crack at that. So, yeah, look, we're in for an interesting few weeks indeed. I don't know if you know the answer to this. I don't want to put you on the spot. Are we streaming the qualifier like we did last time? Pass. Right, okay. Not right, sure. Dave. I don't, I don't think there's any streaming plans for the Open Series, uh, but that, that, that one I definitely know that conversation has been had. Um, but for the qualifier, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, um, Tommy, the schedule is on the World Seniors Twitter page. Everything, um, what is going on, it, it is there. So you can check out what it is. But the dates are already in for next year's Seniors World Championships. It will return to the Circus Tavern in Perfleet. I almost said something then. Not we've been here all weekend. I stopped myself, thank God. Tungsten it's time. Tungsten time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's growing on me. It's growing on me massively. Opening day, everyone did not like it at all. But by the end of it, could not stop saying it. And also, um, the interval song, superb. Great, great. Oh, we, yeah. are yeah. create, we are going to create the Spotify playlist as well. For anyone who was at the tavern, I've got the list of songs from the DJ. We're going to create the Spotify playlist, which will probably end up being my gym, gym training list as well. Um, so, yeah, look, I cannot wait. Um, for more of the World Seniors. It was a huge, huge success. Well done to everyone involved. It was it, it was absolutely sensational. Moving on to this week, Premier League comes to Liverpool. We go back to the Echo Arena or the MS Arena, whatever it is. Now it'll always be the Echo Arena. That's what I remember it as. Um, night number two. I tried to rob a graphic from their Twitter, but obviously Lil or Jimmy hasn't done one yet. So we have to have the wiki page instead. Slack in. Can't get the start. Uh, but this is this is the lineup. Peter Wright will play MVG. Johnny Clayton, Michael Smith, James Wade, Joe Cullen, Gerwin Price, Gary Anderson. Oof. Pick the bones out of this one, boys. We'll we'll, we'll start at the top, and this one looks fairly comfortable at the moment. Be very surprising if it's not right now. I think if, if Michael Van Gerwen is to win this one, then Peter Wright has probably changed his darts again because right now with a straight barrel dart, Peter Wright looks unplayable at times. He has been the best player in the world. I didn't see the game on the stream. Well, I guess it was on the stream, but there was a lot of people on Twitter saying MVG swapped his darts during the Stephen Burton game on Sunday. I don't know if it's true. I was just reading... Um, I'm stuff so that I'm not sure that MBG quite knows what's going on at the moment. Look, he will figure it out. But right now, Wright is a huge, huge favourite for this game. Massively. And with it, possibly the evening again, because he's just capable of winning whatever he wants, whenever he wants right now. Johnny Clayton, Michael Smith. Again, on paper... 
you fancy Clayton, Boise? Yeah, you would. But what what this does, obviously, with the format now being just first to six, it will allow for a couple of those sort of. It's hard to say upsets, isn't it? Just for the the, the top eight. So really, there's not really any of these that we're going to be overly surprised with if one comes through. Um, but Johnny Johnny's going to be down into it favourite after um, getting the run to the final last Thursday. Um, probably seeing coming through again. Um, but I do think Michael Smith will grow into this Premier League, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of them to to pick up a, a, a winning night. Um, Maybe just not yet. Um, Marcus, it wasn't the move to Winmail, mate. It, it was genuinely, he was lazy over COVID. He says that himself. You look of when he first went, he won the UK Open with a tournament average of, what was it, 106? When, when he went over, hit a nine data. It was literally, he did nothing over COVID and he's been caught ever so cold and confidence hasn't came come back with it. For me, I don't know if you boys agree or not, but I genuinely think it's nothing to do with the manufacturer move. It's purely confidence. And where he came back from that first four-month layoff, very, very, very undercooked. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it is that for me as well. But I think what then he might be doing now is he might be questioning everything because the results haven't done that way. But personally, I agree with you um, yeah. that it is the, what, the, the fact that what he might now... You might now, because the, the lack of wins on TV, you might now be questioning other stuff. Um, yeah, but and, and, me, and everyone says about the, the darts and, and Old Faithfuls. People have got to remember, say that he didn't move to Winmal. Old Faithfuls are done. I've, I've seen them. I've picked them up. They are almost Terry Jenkins smooth. There's no grip left on them because he made the mistake, and he says it was a mistake himself, of relying on one set of darts. And that was a part of the move that he didn't want to be in that situation again and it's a situation that potentially Michael Smith finds himself in because he's throws with the same set he doesn't change either his are his old worn beat up ones from from years ago and 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 the, and the world that we live in if, you, if your bag gets lost on a on an airport on a flight or something like that and you haven't got a set or you in your head you have to rely on that one set, it's not a good place to be in, God. No, not indeed. I mean, I've got eight barrels of mine because I lost one, so when I bought another two sets to make <laughs> sure I was not never in that situation again. And I'm not Michael Van Gerwen. Yeah, no, I- exactly. So, look, there's, there's things. We'll come on. There's a couple of good questions on the, the format. We'll come on to that in a second, guys. Don't think we're ignoring the chat room. We love you all. And we'll come on to them in a second. But... John Cullen, James Wade. I'm going to come to you on this one, Gob. Last week, I know he won a game, but his averages again. I know he's never been a huge, huge average hitter, but Wade, I'm going to say at his best, is somewhere between 97 and and 99, and and he grinds you down that way. He's never been... He'll put the odd big ton plus in. And, and, I, and I don't mean this derogatory to him, but it's his finishing that gets him out of jail. He's never been the biggest scorer in the world. But at the moment, I'm concerned because these even the 97 to 99 averages don't seem to be anywhere near at the moment. Yeah, he just seems to have lost that little bit of match sharpness, I think. Um, like you say, it's not quite 
up there at the level that we used to see in James Wade. Still picked up the odd result going price last week, obviously. From what I saw, I don't think he had a particularly good weekend on the Pro Tour either, James. And, and, and with it, I guess the opposite way is right now is Joe Cullen lost his first game last week. Joe Cullen has to be looking at this as opportunity to get his first win on a board in the Premier League because we've seen other players in the past. The longer it takes him to get that first win, those first points on the board, it starts to become a little bit of a panic. I know you don't have to worry about um, whatever the night is, midweek, the week nine or week ten, um, relegation night, whatever it is, um, in, in this format, and he's still going to be in the finals. That's the one, judgment night. Um, but the longer he goes without a win... The, the more difficult it becomes to get one on this Thursday night block. Yeah. I'm um, just looking at some of Wade's averages from, from the Pro Tour. He lost last one to a average 99, um, which, again, is, is decent. But then he won with a 92, um, won with an 84, and then loses with a 97. It's, the averages are always higher on the floor anyway because there's less pressure. But... I'm just concerned at the moment where where James's top gear is at the moment. Like we said before, it's almost as if he just comes out in second and it locks in second and he hasn't got that gear change that you need at the top level now. This time last year he had it and he had more. He was averaging 103, 104 when he was getting on TV. He just seemed to have found an extra an extra level on what we're used to and now he seems to be too further down than, than where he was this time last year. He's gone back down to his normal level and then slightly below that as well. But look, he's been up and down numerous times in his career. Every time you write James Wade off, he comes back and does win something. The UK Open's fast approaching. Don't put it past him. It's just the sort of thing that James Wade does. Yeah. Um, and then, gathering price, Gary Anderson. If you'd have asked me a week ago, I'd have said Gezi was the favourite. However, right now, I'm not convinced he is, boys. I think I've seen enough to say there are very, very good signs for Gary Anderson fans right now. Yeah, I think there is. I think I think Derwin Price would still be favourite, but it's a, it's a lot closer than it would be. I think Price still is slightly. I'm um, seeing him have a run to the final as well on Sunday. Um so there is signs there. Obviously, looking at that run, um, taught in in Tavern on Sunday around that run that it wasn't the most difficult, and not being disrespectful to any of the players who we beat on that day, but compared to some of the other runs that players have to face. And um, but he's still got there when he's winning games. So I think Price still is probably favourite to it. Um, however, <laughs> I do think Anderson gets the better of him. So, but off, off, Price is in the favourite what he's achieved more in the you know the last yeah, couple yeah. of years um but only just looking at it who, who who are we picking this week to win night number two is it all right on the night again or are we going somewhere else boys i think it's a right versus anderson final and right wins week two um, I think you're right in the final, but the run outcome. I think Anderson takes night two. Philip seems strange that, to say that, saying this because literally two weeks ago we said there was concern that 
two players yeah. at least would definitely not win a night and maybe a third. And everybody seems to centre on James Wade will definitely struggle to win one of these at the minute. Gary Anderson was the second one and there was potential to throw Joe Cullen in there as the outside third. We've literally just put Gary Anderson in the final off the basis of two weeks' performances, which is how quickly the Premier League can turn. I guess in the past it was Gary Anderson picks up two points the next week, but then for the next couple of weeks he might struggle. Now you're winning a night and that just breeds more confidence. Yeah. And the fact that Anderson's playing regularly as well, I think he's huge for him. I genuinely do. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think at the moment when you look at the Premier League, the players you want to avoid, obviously the world finalists, and we know what Jonathan do. And with those three being in the top half, that bottom half looks very open in regards to the form and what sort of of, um, of what we see in prices in the standard. He has been Joe; it being his first one, and I think we'll grow into these nights. And James Wade, we've just spoke about so. There's never a, an easy side. It's the the top eight. However, when you when you break it down into the detail of it, it's a fairly open bottom half compared to where the top half Peter Wright's playing that well. And anyone who's not in the same half as Peter Wright, it then becomes a bit more open because the form is that at the moment. Yeah. Again, I. Mm. I'm going. I'm going to go a little bit different. I think Johnny Clayton may get his man. I think Johnny may beat Peter. I'm going to go Johnny versus oh. Gary in the final. It's mental. Eh? We're all writing off Durbin Price. It's crazy. It's just crazy. I, I, I genuinely think I've just seen enough signs that maybe, just maybe, we're going to get the Gary from 16, 17. Don't do that the to fact me. That he, the fact that he's playing regularly, we're seeing a lot more 99 ton averages from him on the Pro Tour than we saw yesterday. He went deep on a Sunday. Normally, it's start the car. Gary loses in the opening round on a Sunday and he's back on the fishing bank for... For the evening fishing session. Um, Don't do it to me. It's the hope that kills you. But there was there was one in the chat room, and this is what we're gonna we're gonna talk about the, the Premier League format. Um, Jamie says, "Oh, how exciting! Wright versus Clayton potentially again for the third time in seven days." This is the, this is the issue with with this, um, and and I said it being there. I think for the fan in the venue. This Premier League format is brilliant for, for the fan in the venue because you get to see the best players more than a couple more than once a night and you get a winner on the night. But for the fan at home that, that doesn't go to watch it in the venue um, and follows the PDC Pro Tour and watches it on the stream, that for the third time in seven days, and if they meet in both Pro Tours again this weekend, it could be five times in... 11, 12 days. This is the, the yeah. issue for me that has been created, that we are going to get a lot of repetition of games. Well, yeah. Johnny and Peter both win. That's the third time they've met in seven days already. Yeah. Staggering. I'm just bored of it. Bored of it. Yeah. Uh, 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 more nights of this. 
as well, Phil, to the point of the fans having a, a final each night, I agree that from a fan point, it might be better. But to someone win a trophy or win a night or something, you see him lift something, that photo of Peter Rice on Thursday night just looked awkward. <laughs> yeah, he's just sort of standing to the side of a of just the venue the name. Side. Or, yeah, yeah the, just a yeah, just tardy thing. It's like... Wait a minute, wait a minute. He's probably like there. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> when we're talking about how did the, how did the Thornton one looks, does he lift a trophy above his head and then you've got Peter just pointing at a sign. Um, I didn't, I didn't, obviously, I didn't see the Premier League. I didn't see if he was announced as winner for the night or. Yeah, no, he was, he was announced as night, night one winner or whatever it was. Yeah. You were there. We only saw photos of it, including this one. That's worse than the grey stage. I'm saying it. No, now. I disagree. No, no, no it's terrible. The random white no, no, lines this... just add nothing to it. The graphic design has no, gone a little bit overboard. You tried to do too much. From what we gather, Kazoo, because the sponsor is so many different things, can have a different colour board, different colour background depending on the event. So black for the Premier League, they will use the grey again, they use a different colour for something else. That's horrible. There's just it's blocks. It's just too much. I, I don't like. I, it. I prefer this one to the grey one. And looking back, this one isn't too dissimilar to the Unibet one. It's black with the, the, the logo. Half height white lines. Nah. If. If we're not if we're not comparing it and we're looking at it as just a sole um, background, I don't like it, but I do think it's better than the dry one. If we're comparing it, the dry one is is the worst one or one of the worst ones I've seen. So it was an improvement. I'm just looking at the, the pictures on my phone. I don't I don't mind it. Horrible. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't mind it. Um, I don't know who the referees are. Um, Daz, um, I know George is only doing about four or five Premier League nights, I think. Um, so it will be probably Kirk, Russ and Hugh doing um, a lot of them. Um, Jack, interview with Paul Hanks about his PDC future will be out tomorrow on our YouTube channel. So don't worry about that. Um so yeah, I'm trying to think in a week of darts, boys. Have we missed anything out? Uh the live league's back. Yeah. Um Josh Payne to... wins one. Yeah. Josh 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 Payne played some really good stuff as well. Really good stuff. That final with um Chaz Barstow was was it was decent. Um, it was obviously County weekend um, as well. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't see a lot of the results up the Hampshire, though. Well, one. I saw one result, and it was quite a big result in quite a big game. It was Lancashire versus Yorkshire. Yorkshire led 17-11 in a best of 36, and they drew 18-all. Lancashire ouch. led heading into the last game. Ouch, 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 ouch. Yes. Um, one other, right, one other thing... Doing 
All I was going to say is PBs. We had one, one Riley's qualifier this weekend from Nottingham, which was Steve Clayson, um, who, when the name came through, I immediately went to Jack. Do you know who Steve Clayson is? Um, and by reading now that he's a teaching fitter, he's not someone... From Derbyshire as well. So not only should I have probably met him through County, which I haven't, and being in Nottingham, I didn't know him either way. I'll tell you what, one thing that we have missed, which I genuinely love, the women's match play, boys. Yes. I love the idea, the concept. And we may have spoken about this about two years ago, Gob. We may have, indeed. It's certainly the, the step up. And also, hear me out, you don't have your biggest event as a match play. Every event starts at a world championship and then you filter out your smaller events. No, they, they, they've been clever with this because they've launched the very first PDC ladies' own televised tournament at the home of PDC darts, as in darts fans, genuine fans go to Blackpool. I think it's very, very clever. What they yeah. do in the oh, past, yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced the well. Blackpool crowd is what it once was. By the way, ever since Taylor MVG, where they absolutely hounded Michael, it's got progressively worse. Don't get me wrong, it is still a fantastic crowd and it is still one of the better ones in the PDC calendar by far. But match play isn't the mecca that it once was. It's still the best by an absolute mile. Hmm. But I still think yeah. you do get more and more idiots and stuff creeping in because proper darts fans have spent the last 10 years telling everybody how amazing Blackpool is. So those that and there for a piss up, start sneaking up there for it. But I, I think they've been very clever. And like Marcus has said, this is Eddie's influence a lot on this. And because Barry was always adamant that he didn't want ladies' tournaments, he said it till he was blue in the face. And I remember when Eddie signed Katie Taylor for the boxing. That he said it was a one-off because she was special, but then saw the interest that broadcasters, sponsors, and all partners and the money they can make from ladies' sport was too big to ignore. And I think it's the same for darts that long term <clears throat> the the different partners you can bring in are huge. So, look, long-term, I genuinely think there'll be a PDC Ladies World Championship. Yeah, I, I do as well now. Uh, I can see both sides of it. Starting it off in Blackpool is a, a great choice. However, I do think that there should be it should be a Worlds and you should build it from that, but I can see why they've done it. I'm really happy that there's another afternoon session in Blackpool because... Only having one a year isn't enough for me. So having another session is good with this being on the final day on the Sunday. Um, and it's one thing, I guess, with the first one being televised, we was unsure if it was going to fall into a similar, if there was going to announce something like this, if it was going to fall into a similar category to the youth in regards to the player tournament and you just have the final. 
I think it's great that we're going to see in regards to, I know a lot of the people talk about Fallon. Yeah, it, it is the last eight and it's not just going to be one game. It's not going to be, if we just go off the um, women's series last year where it was Lisa and Fallon, it's not just going to be those two. Um, and that's not preempting that they'll get there, but it's going to be the eight top women who are then, then going to get to play at... I bet they're in different halves of the draw. Um, I'm assuming it'll be seeded. <laughs> so, um, I've, yeah, I've got a feeling they won one quarterfinal one, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, um, no, Jack, what we mean by there'll be a proper tournament, not just the final played on TV, when it was yeah. back in the day, you'll see... A, a proper tournament where we'll see every round on TV, not just the, the, the final. Um, but I, I, I can't wait. Um, I, I genuinely can't. And it'll be interesting to see because the first lady series, correct me if I'm wrong, is on the same time as the Isle of Man. And people like Dieter had entered the Isle of Man. Now there's a huge question for them to answer. Do you chase ranking points with the WDF and go to the Isle of Man? Or do you chase that top eight spot and a place in Blackpool? Probably top eight. Yeah. I think it, it will fall to the players that are like 17 to 32 to make the decision between the two. If you're a top 16 player in either code... Chances are, same discussion we had the week, you've got enough opportunity to then make sure you go and qualify for that lakeside. Yeah. So you, also, you take with, the PDC option. With the PDC, seem to be doing more and more ladies stuff. If you're the WDF, are you getting a little bit nervous now? Because that was always the selling yeah. point, the fact they catered for the ladies. But if the PDC are going to do more and more and more, and it culminates in a year, two, three years time, a world championship. This is almost going over <coughs> the the split kind of territory again, where as a player, what do you do? For from to from to do that and for it, that to be an issue though, yes, you might have the odd tournament. There's a worry there from a WDF, but unless it then becomes a professional tour. Um, obviously the events can still run and the, the women can still enter both of them but they'll certainly be looking over the shoulder and I'm not sure that they'll be able to compete um, as we'll see with the um, the money being £10,000 for the winner you know the, the PDC money wise will, will always drive that um, so there'll be a worry from the WDF but not so much yet because of being able to but if, it, yeah, if yeah. they continue yeah, yeah. to evolve this, this ladies' game, which I think the way it looks like it's going. Oh, yeah, there's still parts of it, as you've just mentioned, one weekend there, um, where there's going to be a clash and you're going to potentially lose your top 16 players. So it's, it's I'm a little bit concerned about heading towards ladies-only televised events because at that point, for me, the opposite events have to be male-only. You can't restrict movement one way. I don't think you can have open and then ladies. It has to then go men's and ladies. Otherwise, <laughs> almost at the point where 
don't even know how to work it. You're almost at a point where you're giving everybody but your tour card holders, which is what your system is designed for, extra opportunities. It'll be interesting. Um, don't worry, Jamie. Fallon will still be the poster girl. Well, I'm, I'm being honest. She, she will be. Isn't Why it? wouldn't no, she no, be? Give, exactly. If, if you're trying to sell something, you're going to put your most marketable player on, on the program. The same as the Worlds this year. The world number four was nowhere to be seen on the program because he's not marketable, and that—that's just sport, and that's—that's that's football as well. That I've been <coughs> to Spurs games, and I'm sure you've been to United games, Boise, on the program. That you'll have the most marketable player. There was one. Harry Kane was injured, but he was still on the front of the program because people are going to buy it. Because he's on it. That's, that's yeah, the same yeah, program. Yeah. A couple of weeks before as well. So it probably was already pre-done before he got injured. But yeah, I get your point. <laughs> but yeah, you, yeah you, you're, you're always going to... Yeah, there's not a social media post about Man United that doesn't include Ronaldo of some sort because he's the poster boy. It's the same it, it, at the moment. Exactly. With women's it, it, it's the thing. It's you'd like, be stupid, in, in you'd be stupid sport, not to. Yeah, in, in any sport, to, to sell your brand, you use the, the best tools possible whether that's Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen, that Max Verstappen's champion, but I'm pretty sure that Hamilton will still be on more advertising. <laughs> I'm sorry, Phil, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the comments around, and I know that um, <laughs> Dennis Gray is here as well on about the ID poster. Don't because I know what he's messaging me telling me to get off my watch as it is the cheeky side because you know I'm just getting messages. But Todd's in line for a county call up for Yorkshire. But now, mate, bugger your congratulations, jog on. <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, um, Dob, I thought you would go down the route of uh, we had a little OD photo on uh, Sunday. And I mean, I was, was in the, the middle. middle of that. I thought you'd, I thought you'd try that back. <laughs> Oh, he's done it again. We'll be clipping that again. I'm going to put the two together. I'm big time, isn't I? It's tungsten time. Right, as per usual, we are going to open up the chat room. So get your questions in. And if you haven't, make sure you drop us a like and subscribe to the channel. Your support is much appreciated. So... Remember, drop us a like, subscribe, and question time is open. Fire away. Do your worst, everyone. Um, um, just, there's one in there about the seniors match playing the seniors world championship. Players who won't, is there any players who won't be playing in the seniors match play that did play in the world championship? Well, there's at least eight because of the field. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dob. The field's only 16 instead of 24, what we had for the world. Um, in addition to that, John Lowe, maybe not. He's not on the um, poster, but, the but like the Premier League, I think we can guess that Robert Thornton will be in it. 
Thornton's, Thornton's uh, not been announced in, in either of the next two. Bob Anderson's in everything, I believe, so far. Um, yeah. Obviously, your match play has former match play winners uh, and players that have gone well in that. So, Ronnie Baxter, Peter Everson, Ronnie Baxter, Larry Butler are all into the match play already sort of thing. So, um, yeah, look, there's, there's certain players that perhaps won't get the call up this time. But again, qualifiers, open series, heading for a Masters as well. Yeah. Um, Terrible, Sam. We're build. still struggling. We're still struggling. <laughs> What's that? Media at the Premier League. Now we only get one interview. Yeah, we're lucky. We, we got two this week. Um, I'm doing a sit-down with Matt Porter in Liverpool as well. That's part of the reason why I'm going. Um but we'll, we'll play it by ear. Um, uh, Johnny, to start with, though, it's all about getting it off the ground. So you have to invite the, the names that people know and everything like that to get these things off the ground. Also, I'm absolutely creaming for a John Lowe versus Bob Anderson match. I don't care how long it takes. I just want to see those two on the stage against each other. I don't care. <laughs> Can we put that on the on the red button with Bobby George commentary? So you have to start after nine. No, no, no more Bobby George commentary. <laughs> Bobby did a walk on in the menu and it was absolutely superb, but then he got the microphone on stage and I'm not sure we can put it out. <laughs> um, Marcus, I'm doing it. Yeah, but it was great. Yeah. It, oh, it was fantastic, um, but it's, it's a little bit old school, isn't it? It's, it's not quite 2022. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do a sit-down with Mace coming up, uh, Marcus. So, don't worry about that. Nah, why, 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 would I, why would I do that? I get to go on holiday when I want, now. Married to the job, Maliki. Silly boy. Um, in the race for PDC number one, does Price have to enter, enter every PDC comp? Um, probably because Peter Wright will, but Price won't. Price will take weekends off. We, we've seen that over the past two, three years. He will take weekends off when he when he wants to. Uh, if I'm going Price, the current tour card race for the end of the year has a difference of about £400,000 which means he's defending an awful lot. It, it's not the world number one spot I'd be concerned about. It's falling a little bit further at the moment. Because if I'm not mistaken, Johnny Clayton's effectively got a free roll again this year. Yeah. The World Cup's not ranked. Everything else is just going to be an assault. So this year, Gowen Price is defending £798,000. Where Jonathan Clayton is only defending one hundred and thirty-seven thousand, hmm. which, 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 let's be fair, he'll probably win by September. The way he's going in the in the post World Championship order of merit as it stands right now, 
Michael Van Gerwen is world number seven. And on MVG, question there. If Michael doesn't win another world, will he still go down as the greatest Dutch player ever? I think we can certainly shut the door on the Philverse Michael debate that rages on. Phil's the most successful. Phil's the most successful. Michael's the best player I've ever seen fry. So, if he doesn't win, if Michael doesn't win another world title, would you class Michael as the greatest Dutch player? Yeah. All day and twice on a Sunday. Jack? Probably still just because I have an issue with where we place Raymond van Barneveld in the world. Don't get me wrong, he's a five-time world champion, but four of those in the B, in the in the BDO where Phil Taylor's competing in the opposite side. Yes, he wins one, so fine, beating Phil. But the lack of everything else once he made the switch, I've always had an issue with Raymond van Barneveld. He should have won an awful lot more. Adrian Lewis is exactly the same. They are both despite the fact they have seven world titles between them, massive underachievers. Um, someone's asked, uh, Sam says, uh, this year Peter Wright is only defending 288,000, which is only 24% um, of all his money. Again, it's next year The issue is the issue where he's defending 74% of his ranking money in a year. So it's it's all well and good having these great years. And look, last year was a great year. Let's have that right. But it's two years when you've got to defend it all in one hit, Gob, isn't it? When it's yeah. just, if it's spread out evenly, it's, it's easier than trying to do it all at once. Yes. Um, Massive so, also, big year for Gary Anderson. He's defending £317,000, 66% of all his ranking money. The unexpected match play and World Championship finals. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that one. Um, Renan says, do you guys fancy Peter Wright to overtake going price as world number one? I, I think it's just a case of when, not if. It's if. It's when, not yeah. if, 100%. It, yeah. it is going to happen at some point. They yeah. might start swapping about a little bit over the next few weeks as you get Euro tours and that sort of thing and different weekends for pro tours and, and money just dropping off on a certain date, etc. But Peter Wright, at some point in the very, very near future, is going to be the, the world number one in darts. Yeah. Um, who's going to win their first major, Luke Humphreys or Ryan? Sorry, who's going to win a major first, Luke Humphreys or Ryan Searle? Luke, Luke Ryan Searle. Ryan Searle. When, when we say major, we're just talking TV tournament. TV, TV title, yeah. yeah. Remember, there's no yeah. such thing as majors in the PDC, boys. See, as Barry once said, they're all televised titles. You read the question that I'm majoring and you said major and didn't change it for TV, so just getting confirmation, Mr. Bars. <laughs> um, 
Weekly Dark Scar said, did I see the award-winning Matthew Edgar on the live league this week? Correct. Matthew Edgar will make his live league debut tomorrow morning. From his Nine first game. Thibaut Drakkar, welcome to the live league, Mr. Edgar. It's fair. So I was making all the videos on that today. Tough, tough, tough group. That's your fair. Next week's even worse. Um, do you think Ratajski is getting starters? I, I don't think the, the, the throw is great at the moment. I'm not going to use he's getting darts, but I have concerns over the set, the way he sets his first dart at the moment. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm not using the D word at all, but yeah, there's certainly concerns there. Malachi, Jeffrey Dijuan got COVID this weekend, missed the player's championship when he's under pressure. Um, I, yeah, look, Jeffrey Dijuan's got a whole world of trouble. 46th yeah. on the world ranking with 82 grand. And this year he's defending 74 of it. 90% of his ranking money, Jeffrey Dijuan is defending this year. The phrase Titanic without lifeboats springs to mind. Yeah, massive trouble. And there's nothing showing that he's he's got that, that in him at the moment to to defend anywhere near that amount. Um, do you think Callum Ridge will win a major within two years? I don't know within two years, but I certainly think he will win a PDC title, TV title. I'm going to say he will. I think we get drawn into that conversation an awful lot. Who's the next to win a world championship? Yeah. Who's the next to win a televised event and whatever? And a lot of people are like, oh, this person will definitely be a world champion in the next 10 years. You think about the level that have been, we've been saying that in the past, and then you get players younger come under, you get older players that hit their peak, etc. It's so difficult to predict. Callum Ridge is a superbly talented dart player, but look, so is Michael Smith, and he's still yet to win one. So is Dave Chisnell, etc. So I think it's... It's difficult us sitting here and putting pressure on someone like Callum to say he's 100% got the ability to get over the line, etc. And that's why everybody plays to win. But I don't like... I'm not sure I enjoy that question as much anymore. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I didn't see much of Max Hop's throw over the weekend, Johnny. Um, but he said Max Hop's throw has gone and looks awful. I'm trying. Hopefully he's on the stream this weekend. I'll try and have a look. A uh, bit of a weird one. I think he's the best character in dancing at the moment. Um, best character. So I think we're struggling for characters at the moment. I think that's why part of the seniors worked so well because they are genuine characters of the sport. Um, and before. Sky were great at building characters as well. The features they used to do with players that you, you look back, the, the Pie Man and Terry Jenkins feature in, in, in Blackpool, the, the um, Rod Harrington chopper segment as well. That's something that, that they don't do as much now, so they don't build those characters as much for me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah they do and they don't because I still think there's a, an element of trying to project rivalries that don't quite exist occasionally. The whole Gerwin Price, Gary Anderson throwback to that Grand Slam final constantly is 
it's just a little bit nauseating. Yeah. There's just no tension between them. They've, they've got over it. The same with Price v. Adrian Lewis. Two bad years at the match play. Other than that, they crack on. These players meet each other far too regularly, far too often, and are in each other's companies far too often to genuinely despise anybody. There might not be players that they'll go and sit next to at a pro tour, but I genuinely think they just get on and it, it's not worth the hassle for them to have to be worrying about the mental battle of not liking somebody that's a bit like a school playground than having to play darts against the best players in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, don't disagree. Um, well, everyone, it is approaching that time. Two hours of absolutely flown by. We have loved every single minute. And thank you very, very much for your continued support. Give yourselves a huge round of applause. Remember, this will be available as a pod because I'm going to edit it as soon as we're off shut offline so I don't forget and run, we'll run out of time. Um, last week, we just had so much going on. We just did purely run out of time to get everything. Um, and, but we will get it done. So thank you very, very much. Uh, remember, the live league returns 9.30 tomorrow morning on our YouTube channel. So make sure you turn in. And yes, prime time himself, Matthew Edgar, will be making his debut. Um, I've been Phil Barr, joined by Jack Gobby with Lee Boyce, and Henry was on earlier. Everyone, thank you very, very much your support and we will see you all next week for the live lounge <laughs>